You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Now, you may or may not know that we are in the second week of what is in Manchester, a two-week series. I told you on the 2nd of July that as a church, we were doing a four-part series, one, two, three, and four, across four weeks. But in Manchester, because of our superior intelligence and our spiritual depth, we were going to do two weeks together on week one and two weeks together on week two. How's that? Okay, not convinced. Okay, I appreciate it. I'll win you over by the end of this little time together. So we did part one two weeks ago, and the key scripture that we read was from Hebrews chapter 12. It says this in verse one, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And a key phrase was what's coming next. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose The key phrase, so let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And this series is a reminder for some and revelation for others that we are in a race. The Bible uses different pictorial language, things like we're in a fight, we're in a battle, we're in a race, we're on a journey. And so we called this series The Pathway, The Pathway. And what we've been doing is exploring this principle that when you become a Christian, when you say yes to the life of a disciple, someone who is growing, I can't see you. Oh, there you are. You're looking this way. How good. Uh, That really that decision is not the finish line, but it's actually the start line. There is a moment of exhale. When you become a Christian, because it is, as we describe many times in our church, like coming home. But really, we've sold you the wrong product if you think being a Christian is a passive, chilled kind of, you know, church is a sort of lifestyle accessory like a new bag and shoes. Then you've, we've, we've sold you the wrong idea because being a Christian is like being in a race. Don't think competing with the people around us, running around in circles, but think like a, like a pack of people, like a, like a team of people with eternity as our goal. And we're running together, we're laughing together, we're crying together. There's times when I'm at the front of the pack and I'm leading the charge. And then there's times when I get tired and I'm like, okay, Rafaro, you're up. And I don't know who it is in your life, but as a church, we're on the pathway moving towards our eternal destiny with the Holy Spirit ringing in our ears that this is not just some kind of casual thing that we partake. This is who we are. 
So we decided to look at what that involved, like what are the steps of the pathway? A key scripture to help us identify those steps was Exodus chapter six. I'll read it to you. If you didn't hear the message two weeks ago, then I would fully recommend you go back and have a listen because I haven't got time to go over it too much. Exodus chapter six, six and seven says this, therefore say to the Israelites, this is God speaking to Moses, and this is the word, I am the Lord and I will bring you out, number one, from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you, number two, from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you, number three, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, number four, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This pathway consists of these four steps, these four stages that we identified two weeks ago as knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. If you wanna know what you're supposed to be about as a Christian, as a disciple, this is a, like a guide. This is like a blueprint, a framework for you to make sure that you are running the race marked out for you. Okay? Okay, still not convinced. So two weeks ago, we looked at knowing God and finding freedom. And it was a powerful time that we had together. And so today, my job is to go through the final two steps of the pathway. We're gonna do one, and then we're gonna graduate our audacious college students right now, right here in this service, on this platform, and then I'm gonna do number four. Coming up on screen, coming up on screen, I hope we have a, we have a picture of your campus pastor who had finished the marathon. I wonder if that made its way through. There she is. This is my wife, your campus pastor. Earlier this year, Zoe competed in a marathon and not only completed it, she did it in three and a half hours, people. Come on now. Speaking with her, and others who have done long distance races, I've heard this language, and you've probably heard it too, about a moment where you hit the wall. It feels physical in the moment, apparently, because I've never done it. But it equally seems as powerful mentally, a moment where you just go, I can't do this. But what happens when people complete marathons or long distance races, not that they don't go through that, but when they get to that, they get what we call a second wind. They get like a, a recharge or a supercharge. And for some reason, when everything was screaming, you can't do it, they find something on the inside and they make it through to the end. The Bible puts it this way in a spiritual context. It says in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. We're halfway through our pathway, knowing God, finding freedom. And today I wanna speak to that spirit that is in us sometimes, which just says, oh, this is too hard. Like I can't do this. I don't know if I've got what it takes to keep moving. I don't know if I can always resist temptation. 
I don't know if I can always have a good attitude. I don't know if I can always put people first. I don't know if I can always read my Bible. I don't know if I can always keep moving forward. Well, the Bible says this because God knows that that moment is inevitable. And He says, don't give up because there is a harvest. There's a finish line. There's a reward. There's a prize for you. So know God, find freedom. The third step that we're gonna look at before we graduate our audacious college students, we've called Discover Purpose. Discover Purpose. From the Exodus verses, this comes from that little phrase, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. When you redeem something, it means you restore it to its original purpose, its original intention. Everything that has been created had a reason in mind. Even if you see some obscure object somewhere or you see a part from your car or a piece of something, it's easy for you, not the creator of that car or that object to say, what a weird looking thing. I don't know what this is for and throw it over your shoulder. But if you made it, you'll be like, that piece is essential. And I wanna declare to you today a few things about purpose. The first being that you were made on purpose for a purpose. Now that might sound elementary to you. It might sound like, oh, this is something for the teenagers or this is something for the children. And of course it is. But as I was running around the streets of Bolton this week, I felt God press on me like an overwhelming, like burning on the inside that somebody in church this morning needed to know that they were made on purpose for a purpose. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not simply the results of your parents either perceived good or bad decisions. You're not a chance or fluke monkey that got lucky, but God looked at the creation of the earth. He noticed that something was missing and He made you. He made you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people say to you. It matters to God what they say, but it's not a defining power in those words because ultimately the one who made you knows why he made you. If you ask Matt Hill, who owns the company that made these speakers, he will be able to tell you why he made them. If you put that next to your ear on your shoulder, like an 80s style boombox, it will blow your brains out because it wasn't made for that. But Matt will tell you it's there in this shape, pointing this way so that I can hear myself when I'm speaking to you. God knows why He made you. The most famous verse that you know, many of you and I know, that echoes through my ears from when I was a young person is Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, for I know the plans or the purposes that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
And if you take nothing else from this service today, write that in big fat letters somewhere where you're gonna see it. Put it on the wallpaper of your phone. Put it on a post-it note in the mirror. Say it out loud while you're driving to work. God made you for a reason. And He has a plan. And the second thing about purpose is that despite everything, the plan is still on. Because there's someone in this room and there's someone watching online whose faith affords them to the right to believe that God has a plan, but their circumstances are telling them that that plan is cancelled. And even Jeremiah 29, 11 doesn't muster up sometimes the faith to believe not in what you see with your physical eyes, but what you see with your heart eyes from Scripture. And it's easy for us to think, you know what? I believe that God's got a plan for me, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's happening at the moment. But I'll tell you what's slightly less famous than Jeremiah 29, 11, but still really, really important. It's called Jeremiah 29, four to 10. Now you might not know that, you might not have that on a fridge magnet, it might not fit on a t-shirt or on one of them little bookmarks that you got at Sunday school, but you gotta read verse four to 10 before you can stand in faith in verse 11. We got loads of Jeremiah 29, 11 Christians and we don't have loads, it seems, of Jeremiah 29, four to 10 Christians. It goes like this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those in exile. So the people receiving verse 29, 11 were, were like exiled. It means they were captured and taken off. It says this, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, so in exile, do not decrease. Also see the peace, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So don't pray your way out of the circumstances. God is saying this is how it is. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not let the prophets and uh, div, 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 diviners, I think that's how you say that word, among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams. They are prophesying lies to you. This is what the Lord says. Listen to this for a setup for 29.11. When 70 years are completed. When 70 years are completed, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise and bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What that means is, is even when things aren't going well, verse 11 is coming. And you can be in verse four to 10 for 70 years. And I'm not prophesying that. I'm not saying, you know, suck it up, you're gonna be like this for 70 years. I don't know how long it's gonna be, but however long it is, the purpose of God is still on. The third thing about purpose is that purpose is God's job and the plan is your job. Taken from Proverbs 19, 20, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, you don't have to worry about the purpose of God, that's His responsibility. 
Your responsibility is to come up with a plan and a new plan and many plans, it says in Proverbs, to outwork the purpose of God in this current reality where you are right now. Not I'll come up with a plan when I'm older. Not I'll come up with a plan when I'm out of debt. Not I'll come up with a plan when all my ducks are in a row. But right now, be it in exile, in inverted commas, maybe for 69 years, what's the plan that I have for me and my family to outwork the purpose of God right now? The fourth thing about purpose before we graduate the students, and it's significant to me, is that there's, there's a difference between purpose and assignment. Purpose and assignment. I used to think when I was in my 20s that the purpose of God for my entire life was to be a youth pastor. And I was one, so it was good. But that works until it doesn't work. And when I turned 30, I stopped being a youth pastor. And if my, my theology was that my purpose in life was to be a youth pastor, then my life was over at 30. But what I've recognised is the purpose of God has got way more to do with my current, way more to do than my current assignment. And that's hugely significant. Just coming up on screen, there's like a, a pie chart. Now, let me just say, this is not a science. I have not measured this with electrons and neutrons. I don't even know what they are. And also the numbers are just to make a point. Do not go to God and say, you owe me 10% of whatever. But I want you to see that arguably a large chunk of the purpose of God for your life is step one of the pathway called knowing God. And if you wanna be a person of purpose, then you need to just come up with more imaginative ways to pursue God with all of your heart and just know Him. Not for a plan, but that is the plan, to know God. You can look at a preacher or you can look at a business leader or you can look at someone inspirational and say, wow, they're so full of purpose because they're completing an assignment and compared to your life, you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Look, the biggest chunk of the purpose of your life is just to know God. Get up in the morning, open your Bible and say, this is the most purposeful thing I can do. The plan of God is still on and all I'm gonna do is get to know God. There's another chunk of purpose, which I've just called life. This redeemed, you know, I said the, the phrase from Exodus was, I will redeem you. God redeeming you, you becoming more like Jesus is one of the most purposeful things you can do. You don't need a microphone or a spotlight or followers on Instagram to know that the Holy Spirit is redeeming something in you and the fruit of the Spirit is growing in your life. Another chunk is, um, let's go redemptive work, okay? Redemptive work. So not just you being redeemed, but you playing your part in the redemptive work in other people. One of the best things you can do without a Facebook profile or an interview on Oprah 
is to be about the business of redemptive work in the lives of other people. And if you never know what your assignment is and you never get celebrated or prayed for or or commissioned to do something on the mission field, then you just make yourself busy with all of that and the rest will take care of itself. Specific assignment. I do believe that God has a specific assignment for your life, but it almost certainly won't be forever. There are a few assignments that I believe are forever. When you get married, I think that's an assignment from God forever. When you have a child, the reason why we dedicated Debbie's children today is because we believe that that is, although they don't come with receipts or instruction manuals, this is a for life thing. Outside of that, most things that we think are purpose are a specific assignment and it has a season and it starts and it ends. And when it ends, you thank God for it, you celebrate it. I love the fact that I was a youth pastor. We call it like the golden sort of era for us. We had such a great time, but I don't wanna go back there because that's not my assignment anymore. This is my assignment now and this will change. While I've been in this church, I've had five jobs and I probably will have another five before they kick me out to the retirement home because my assignment is one thing, but my purpose is something extra. It's something more than that. There's one more section on there called work, and that's really the fourth step. Many of you, I hope, to stand and pray because the end of the pathway or the final stage of the pathway is what we've called make a difference. This idea that this journey, this race, this pathway that God has set before us really is about creating opportunities for more people to go on the same journey that you've been on. This is not a club, as we heard last week, that exists exclusively for its members. And if you're not in, then tough luck. The church is here and we're on this journey and part of the responsibility that we have is that we get other people to walk the path that we have walked. And you may not feel like a professional. You may not feel qualified or like a person that's got it all together, but you only have to look at Scripture to see the kind of plonkers that God's chosen to use to advance His kingdom. Maybe don't put that in your notes. So we've talked about knowing God, finding freedom. I hope in that machine gun whirlwind eight minutes of a message, you picked up the power of discovering your purpose. And that takes us to this final phrase in verse seven of Exodus chapter six. Remember those phrases, I will bring you out, I will free you, I will redeem you. The final one says, I will take you as my own people. I will take you as my own people. It's interesting to me that the first three that God says to the children of Israel are about you the person. I will take you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. But this final one, we only really get to do if we're part of the team. I will make you my people is Old Testament language for join, the team. We're in this together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you 
and not like that. You'll have to read verse eight if you wanna know what that means. For you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness, or slavery is in, in Exodus, into His wonderful light. Now you are God's people. I wanna create an image in your mind for a moment that we are Christ's ambassadors and that the church is heaven's embassy. And so being taken out from where you were, from, the, from the, the mess of sin and put on a solid rock and actually being able to walk in the freedom that that means and then discover that my life has a reason gives you the power to then say, I'm gonna be an ambassador for Christ wherever I go. The fifth sort of little segment on that pie chart that I didn't sort of read out was just simply work. And work represents all of the time that you spend from Sunday through to Sunday that's not that spiritual or perhaps doesn't feel it in the moment, that's not that glamorous, that's not that, you know, testimony worthy. It's just going to work. It's just getting the kids ready for school. It's just, it's just doing the pat lunch. It's just, it's just taking care of business. It's just doing the housework. It's whatever it is, the fabric of your life. Actually, if you recognise that you are sent there as an ambassador for Christ and that the church is heaven's embassy, that means your purpose like changes any job and makes it matter. You can stack shelves and think, well, this isn't very good. Or you can stack shelves and go, I've been sent here by God as an ambassador for Christ. You can play football and people can celebrate, but then when your head hits the pillow at the end of the day, think, well, what was all that about? Or you can recognise that God sent you to that team. He sent you to that, that, that group of people, that group of staff for a reason. And football was one of them, but there's a higher reason than that. And wherever you are on, in between that, and I'm not setting one job up as a good one and, bad as a, a, and another one as a bad one. I'm saying whatever God sent you to do, you need to know you are sent. Four things about ambassadors to help connect in this moment because in a moment I'm gonna ask you to stand and pray. Number one, ambassadors are empowered. They're empowered. That's why police and army and other services wear uniforms because what a uniform represents is a higher authority, the sending authority. There's no reason or, or, or there's no chance or possibility that I could stand in front of a crowd and say, okay, you're not allowed to go down this street because you know you just need to go, like move along, move this way. People would just be like, who the heck are you? Get out of the way, bozo. If I have a police officer's uniform on and I go, you can't go down this way, most people, not all, most people would be like, oh, okay, I don't know, why, do you know? No, no because the authority that I come under, right, that representing that high authority gives me authority. So you wanna be sent. Don't be going to work tomorrow off your own invitation. 
Don't be going to work tomorrow off the invitation of your boss or, or purely because you need a paycheck or you need some, some groceries in the cupboard. You go to work tomorrow because God sent you. He sent you. Listen, don't think, I'll see if I can get an applause out of the whole church, right? Don't think like sent like a letter in the post. Think sent like an arrow from a bow. Oh, there you go. You're empowered, you're sent, and you are a representative. Imagine how the disciples felt when Jesus said, hey, I'm back from the dead, but I'm going. They'll be like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're going? He said, don't worry, I'm gonna leave a helper because God knew that the Holy Spirit would empower the disciples so they could be in 12 places at once. Jesus as a man was in one place at once. He ascended into heaven and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. When you become a disciple, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you have the power of God living inside you. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. So therefore I am sent and I am representing King Jesus wherever I go. The fourth thing about ambassadors is that means that we are messengers. We are messengers. We represent more than just ourselves. We represent the King of Kings and we have a message of hope. Wherever God sends you, go like an arrow. Go like an arrow and recognise that your responsibility in the most part is to know God. What will happen as you know God more and you keep coming up with imaginative ways to pursue God even more is you will find even more freedom. There's been times in my life where God has shown me an area that I'm not free, even though there was times in the past when I thought, I'm free. I've got it sorted. I've dealt with it. And yet still God says, no, there's more freedom for you to experience. The more I do that, the more confident I feel if God is putting all this time and effort and energy into me, then there must be a reason why I'm here. And so I'm passionate about discovering the purpose of God for my life. But the most part, how I do that is just by doing step one, getting to know Him more. And what that does in turn, it means that when I hit the, hit the pavement in the morning, when I hit the bus, when I hit the train, when I hit the office, when I hit wherever it is I go, I'm sent like an arrow from a bow. I'm there to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with a message of hope. And if we do that as a church, if we say, I'm up, for, I'm up for the pathway. I'm up for running my race. I'm up for running. If you run your race, I'll run my race. If, if, we, if we together know the pathway that's marked out for us and we each nervously and, and, and kind of bumbly sometimes just kind of like manage to get some kind of rhythm and get moving and get marching and do something for the Kingdom of God, well, this city could be turned upside down by a church like that. I honestly think that. Any church like that, I'm saying any church. I'm talking about Lifehouse Church in Chesterfield. I'm talking about Audacious Church in Chester and in, and in Cardiff and all the cities that we're in. If our church is full of people like you and me that say, I'm gonna commit 
to walk this pathway. Not because it's a church program. Oh, it's the month of discipleship. So, you know, we better get, you know, better be disciple. No, I'm talking about a much bigger purpose than that. I'm talking about the reason why you were born. I'm talking about the reason why you were born, which was to know God so you could find freedom, discover what all this has been for, and then make a difference in the cities where God's called us. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 